Hi, everyone. Welcome to Journal the Toronto News and Arts. Joining us today is Ori Dagan, uh, award-winning jazz musician from Toronto. How are you, Ori? Excellent. So nice to be here. It's so great to have you. And I love your vibes. We had a chance to talk a little bit before the interview. Yeah. And uh, we're excited to hear more about what's happening with you right now. Yeah. You know, believe it or not, it's actually quite a busy time for me. I love hearing that. Tell us more. It's insane. Well, uh, I went into a bit of withdrawal, of course, like everyone else uh, who goes out to hear live music. Mm -hmm. uh, before COVID, I was going out to hear music probably almost every night. I'd say five nights a week minimum. Healing. Very healing. Oh, Everybody yeah. needs that. Well, you know, I mean... I'm a big supporter of uh, live music in Toronto. Mm -hmm. uh, besides being a musician myself, I love to support my friends and I love to go to open mics and sing a song or sit in. So anyways, it took me a couple of weeks to get over that shock. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had a gig booked on March 27th. It was a tribute to one of my favorite singers in jazz, uh, Sarah Vaughn. That was her birthday. And uh, I kind of decided, you know what, maybe I'll just try to do this gig still on my Facebook channel. I was very nervous about it because I typically perform with other musicians mm -hmm. where I just sing and I have uh, other musicians backing me um, on piano, bass, guitar, whatever. Um, but, you know, I didn't have that luxury. I do have a piano. My background musically is in classical piano, but I've been dabbling a little bit, accompanying myself like for students mm -hmm. or if I had a gig for seniors or if it's a charity gig. But performing on Facebook is very different from performing for an audience. I can, I can you know, imagine, it's, it's yeah. you, you don't have that energy coming back to you. So, uh, I mean, you do in the comments, but you can only read them it's afterwards. It's not the same energy exchange. It's certainly it's not the same, the same energy. It's, it's hard. Right. Uh, but anyway, I, d I tried it and uh, it, it, I got really great feedback. So I decided to start doing it every week. Without you, baby, I'm never going to use them. Your goodbye left me with eyes that cry. So uh, as of April, I was doing it every single Thursday. I started it every Thursday at 7 p.m. from mm -hmm. my Facebook channel. A couple of weeks later, I got a message from somebody in Barcelona who said, hey, Ori, can you start the show a little bit earlier for us fans in Europe? Oh, that's great. So I thought about it and I, I said, you know what? I'll do an earlier show mm -hmm. and I'll keep the 7 p.m., but I'll do also a 2 p.m. show. So now I've been doing, for all these weeks now, I've been doing 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. So it's been like 12 weeks now. That's amazing. It has been so incredible. I've actually met so many people by doing this from around the world. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have a, a following now in Brazil of That's like amazing. several hundred people <laughs> in Brazil that everything I post on Facebook, they love. Well, we and have a huge following, uh, Brazilian followers. Really? Here, so that's exciting. That's really cool. Yeah. I actually got invited to, to uh, I had this interview and performance on a Brazilian Facebook page a couple of weeks ago. It was so cool. Like I, Now I really need to learn some Bossa Nova songs. <laughs> that would be amazing. And what's incredible is that you just, you know, again... It's nice to talk to the really positive 
artists who are still continuing throughout this. We all went through the shocking phase. Yes. But you get back up, you keep going, and you kind of represent what art is about. It's your way of expression. You can't stop. And you're doing that. Absolutely. I mean, I feel I was kind of really inspired by uh, the frontline workers, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Like, I realized, like, these because I was nervous as I said I was nervous about playing the piano on camera Mm -hmm. I'm not the best piano player I've gotten so much better in the past three months because I've been working at it yeah but I was inspired by these essential workers who no matter what they have to do their job and I know how blessed I am to be able to be an artist to be able to have people that want to hear me play to have fans that want to hear me sing and so I just thought just go for it. Just do it. What's the worst that can happen? I always think to myself, the luxury of being an artist is that when we screw up, nobody dies. <laughs> I love that. It's true. <laughs> I mean, like, what's the worst that can happen? My That's ego right. will be bruised. That's right. But uh, it's, I take great responsibility in the fact that I reach people. And the, the feedback I've gotten on my show is incredible like I have all these people that are you know homebound and mm-hmm. maybe some of them are immunosuppressed they can't leave the house they're like you know Ori we look forward to your show on Thursdays so much now I've also kind of I'm really into involving my audience a lot so I do a show every month that's live by request mm-hmm. um, and so I take requests all week and a lot of times I learn songs that whole week. That's awesome. So some lady in Israel requested that I do a Leonard Cohen song. <gasps> so I learned this Leonard Cohen song. Now it's in my repertoire. I love um, it. It's Which really Leonard Cohen amazing. song? Dance me to the oh. end of love. Amazing. <laughs> I love it. And you're known for many things. You're known for your baritone voice, for your ability to improv. And we were talking, you know, scat singing earlier. Oh, yeah. What do you have for me? So scat singing is something that I've been doing for 20 years now, every single day. It's since been you a, were born, you mean? Well, sure. Since <laughs> I was born. Well, I actually, I got, I grew up playing classical piano. Amazing. I never was a singer. Okay. And, uh, when I was about 18 years old, I heard Ella Fitzgerald live in Berlin. The album is called Mac the Knife. It was recorded in, on February 13th, 1960, and it changed my life. That is the album that completely made me into a jazz musician. So there are two songs on it. The whole album is spectacular, but mm-hmm. there's two songs on it in particular that resonated with me. The first one is the title track, Mac the Knife. Mm-hmm. where Ella forgot the lyrics, allegedly, and made up her own lyrics. So she goes, What's the next chorus to this song now? This is the one now that I don't know. And she won two Grammy Awards that year in 1960. And it really kind of blew my mind that that happened uh, because that's the beauty of jazz is you can Mm -hmm. make mistakes, but if you go with them, it can make the song better. And that's always fascinated me because in classical music, you can't make mistakes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when I was, you know, nothing against classical music, but it's, it's just not for me. Like it's, it's, 
for me to do the same thing every night right. would bore me. And you need and the room to move and grow and I change. just I, I realized when I discovered right. jazz that I'm an improviser and that I love changing it up and I love the element of surprise and not mm-hmm. knowing where it's gonna go. And uh, the other song on Mac the Knife Live in Berlin is the last song, which is like a seven minute brilliant piece called How High the Moon, mm-hmm. where Ella does scat singing. And there's always people that, you know, scat singing is interesting because some people love it and some people hate it. Uh, it's all about using your voice as if you were an instrument. So it's almost like playing your voice, pretending that you are a saxophone, a trumpet, a mm-hmm. trombone. So, um, you know, there's a song called Four Brothers, and it was the first track on my first album. And that album is called Scat Got My Tongue. Um it. But, you know, so Four Brothers is an example of a piece that uh, was written for four saxophone players with no words. Mm-hmm. And singers like Anita O'Day, which is another one of my big influences, recorded a complete wordless version of it. And it kind of goes, just to give you an example. And so on and so forth. I love it. That was so great. It's it's so good. And, you know, you're amazing at what you do. You've won awards. And you won the Best Song Award in 2018 for uh, Sweetheart. Yeah. The, it was uh, the American Songwriting Shall Awards. And it was Best Jazz Song. And that's from my latest release from a few years back, a Tribute to Nat King Cole. It's called Nathaniel, A Tribute to Nat King Cole. So that I'm really intrigued by because it's the first visual album in jazz history. And earlier we were talking about how you have many videos and you work closely with your life partner who creates these videos. So I want to hear a bit more about that. It's amazing. Absolutely. Well, um, we put out the, the one of my first music videos that really was a big success. It was called Clap on the Two and the Four. And it was a song that I wrote when I was walking down the street. It was inspired by all those <laughs> adorable people in the jazz clubs that don't know how to clap along to the song. Because um, in other forms of music, like country music, folk music, mm-hmm. you clap on the one and the three. But uh, in jazz, you clap on the two and the four of the beat. So it's like one, two, three, four, one, two, three. It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. So I wrote a song about it. And um, so my partner, Leonardo, heard the song and he was like, we have to release that. We have to release that. And I said, you know what, though? I don't want to release it unless we have a music video because I don't want the message to be lost. Because ironically, he still to this day can't clap on the two and the four. <laughs> How funny. He's is like that? rhythm deaf. He loves music. But, you know, God bless He loves him. your music. He God just can't clap to and, it. You know what? My dad, too, is rhythm deaf. I get my musical talent from my mom. But anyways, um, so... We did this music video on a very small budget. You know, we just asked some of my friends and fans to record themselves singing, or not singing, but clapping along, dancing along. And it just did really well. Like it got, I think now it has over 90,000 views, but it also exposed my music to all these different mm-hmm. people. Um, you know, I got the the Best Educational Jazz Short Award at the New York Jazz Film Festival. I got the best jazz song at the Polish Film Festival. Wow. It was all these... And, and my goal, I have mm. to say this, because I believe when you say things, you have, they're 
much more likely to come true. Yeah. And uh, my goal in life is to bring jazz music to a bigger audience and especially to young people. Please. You know, because a lot of times I go out to the <laughs> jazz clubs and God bless all these, these 80-year-old people who I love and respect so much. But we can't have only 80-year-old people in the audience. You know, we have to get this music out there. I think there's a stigma about jazz music sometimes where people think that, that it's not for them, that it's too mm -hmm. above their heads, that it's, you know, boring or I don't even know, to be honest. I don't know what, what yeah. it's become a little bit underground, especially here in this part of the world. You know, it's it's not broadcast. You don't see the, the best jazz uh, album broadcast on the Juno Awards for years now, or the right. Grammy Awards, right? It's underground. And um, I think as artists, it, it's a big responsibility for us to promote our our genres, you know? But it's also everyone else's too. I mean, it's our job to put it on when our kids are young. It's our job to expose it in schools to our students. It's something that anyone can do. It's a way of preserving art absolutely because what happens when your 80 year old fans they're not around anymore you need to pass that on you can't do that on your own you need the whole tribe doing it with you exactly and, and so that was the inspiration behind this visual album idea mm -hmm. so i recorded this album for uh in tribute to nat king cole it's my third record and uh I finished the album as a CD and I was just kind of sitting on it. There was something telling me that I wanted to do something special with this record. Mm -hmm. uh, the spirit of Nat King Cole was so inspiring to me. You know, he was a very, very transformative figure in his time. He was groundbreaking in yes. several ways. So first of all, musically, he was groundbreaking because he had the first uh, trio of his kind. Uh, that was in the big band era. Mm -hmm. And so everything that was popular at that time was huge, you know, 16 piece, 20 piece bands with a, you know, often with a vocalist, but Nat King Cole played the piano and he sang and it was with bass and guitar, no drums. Mm -hmm. And it was a new sound. And until they hit it big, they struggled too. You know, I always like to remind myself, you know, the, this this is normal. You're not alone. <laughs> We're not alone. And, mm -hmm. and the, you know, the probably the hardest thing about being an artist is being patient and having perseverance and not giving up because this overnight success thing is not real. You know, no. it's, you really have to keep working at it. You have to have a thick skin. And uh, like, I mean, for me, like I, I, I will not give up as long as I'm able to sing mm -hmm. and play that's what I'll be doing. But that's and also part of loving what you do. That's so right. So it's not just the fame and being known. You have to love what you do to keep going. Absolutely. You you, you are not doing it for the money if you're doing art. <laughs> that, that's Especially for sure. not in Toronto. I hate to say it, but, yeah, yeah. you know. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, so the whole idea with the visual album was inspired by, ironically, by Beyonce. Wow. Because she made a visual album a mm -hmm. few years before that. And basically overnight, she dropped a whole uh, series of music videos that accompanied her music. So uh, the other artist I have to give a shout out to actually is Bjork, because I grew up worshipping. She's fabulous. Bjork. She's amazing. Yeah. To this day, like yes. I, I can't wait to one day meet her. It'll happen. Uh, she's been a huge influence on my music. But, but also, like, her music videos are all pieces of art. Abs they're, she is they're, a piece of art. That yeah, I've woman. seen her. Have you ever seen her live? 
Uh, no, I have not. I've seen her live five times. Amazing. And it was each time she sounds better than on the CD. She dances around. She, she's unbelievable. But her music videos are always films. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she's always very involved in the music video. And she makes it an experience that, that is not only complementary to the mm-hmm. song, but it makes the song better. So that always inspired me because as soon as as soon as uh, Leonardo said, "Do you think we can do a visual album?" I said, "Absolutely, but let's make these music videos special." So each song, you know, we took in a different direction. So we have a couple of animated videos. The biggest one is called "Sting of the Cactus." Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe that's a clip that we can attach to this uh, for sure. this podcast because "Sting of the Cactus." Just past 140,000 views. Great. It's won awards all over the world. And it was uh, directed and animated by an unbelievable talent named Becky O'Neill. And uh, it was stop motion animation. So it kind of tells the story of my career so far. Uh, from singing on the street and busking mm-hmm. to uh, playing on world stages. And all of you, little puppet Ori with, with my puppet band. And you have. You've really been to a whole bunch of places around the world for uh, different festivals and events. I think my favorite event that I've ever played was a festival in Morocco. Mm. And again, they saw the Clap on the Two and the Four music video and the director wrote me. I mean, the power of music videos is unbelievable. Yes. So he said, hey, can you come to Morocco? And I said, absolutely, I will. And uh, to my amazement, uh, he gave me like the headline spot. And Incredible. it was in a palace <laughs> to 1,500 people. And I sold like 50 CDs that night. Amazing. So it was really an amazing experience. Because here in Toronto, I love what I do, but but it's it is my local, it's my hometown, you know, and I, I play to a lot of the same people all the time mm-hmm. in in little clubs and bars. And I love Toronto, I love what I do, but it's it's quite different and and it's it really feels like an underground scene here. Yes, and we you know we talked a little bit about all of this before this interview. Um, and you did say a couple of things. Tell me a little bit about some of your favorite places in Toronto and why. So my very favorite place is mm-hmm. Drome Taberna. It really is an amazing place, a magical place. There's no place like it. I mean, I'm out there on the scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, before March, I was every night at these different clubs. And I will support any club pretty much that presents live music. But Drome is a place where I can bring anybody to. Down the street from Drome is La Palette. Yes. Uh, which is a French bistro. Another place in that area on Queen West that I love is the Cameron House. Yes. Been around for many, many years. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a place on the West End that's a little bit more upscale, but I really like them too. Uh, it's the Homesmith Bar at the Old Mill. I'm not familiar with them. Yeah, they, they do very exclusively jazz okay. music. Um, Good to know. So, and, and that's another thing we were discussing before the interview that I really want to mention. I really, really am worried about young people not knowing the difference between Spotify and a live band because the difference is astronomical, you know, the, and it has to do with vibrations mm-hmm. and music is healing because of the vibrations that it produces. And those vibrations are not present in, on, on a record. I'm sorry to say as yes. much as I'm all for, you know, uh, 
creating recordings and, mm-hmm. and that's a, a different art form in itself, it's never going to be as good as seeing a musician in person at a concert. And if you like jazz music or classical music or world music or mm-hmm. folk music or blues or any of these intimate, you know, small uh, venue type music, like, like there's no substitute for it. No, absolutely not. I agree with you completely. And this is where the education and the exposure comes in. Um, Ari, I wish we had more time because you, you're you like a brain explosion. It's been so nice to speak with you before and during the show. Hopefully we'll see you back here again. I'd love that. And now, you I know what? Next time I'll bring a musician and we'll please, play for you. How about that? I would love that. And don't forget to join us on Facebook and Instagram under News and Arts. We'll talk to you soon. Take thank, care. Thank you. Thank you.